Hello, my name is James Pikeway, and welcome to the Creative Mornings in Dubai podcast. This is the podcast version of our 70th morning meetup. The theme of this talk was free. We'd set out to have two speakers join us, Ella Spira, composer and painter, and Pietra Mello Pittman, ballerina. Well, as things would have it, plan didn't go to plan and Ella couldn't make it. So Pietra stepped in and went solo. Wow, is all I can say. Pietra shared with us how the Sisters Grimm, that is the production company that Ella and Pietra have formed, shared with us the story behind Enala and in the process talked about how these two dynamic cultural entrepreneurs have created something that is globally special and impactful. You're gonna love the conversation. Here we go. This is Pietra Mello Pittman. Hi everyone, thank you for having me. So yeah, I'm one half of Sisters Grimm and um, it's very sad that my soul sister can't be here today, but I'm going to try and channel her light and love and bring her in the room uh, and tell you about our journey. Um, to start with, I wanted to start with a testimonial, reading a testimonial that um, Ella wrote. We received a message on social media a few weeks ago from someone whose sibling had lost their way and they got in trouble with the law and they'd asked us to write a character reference for them. And I think even the way that we both responded to this request for a character reference gives you a bit of insight into just how different Ella and I are. I was fraught with questions and took this request quite literally and was thinking about the actual physical moment in time that we knew this person. And Ella being more emotional, knew exactly what they wanted and what she was going to write. So this is her testimonial. We met Jax Owen for the sake of protection of, we've changed the name of the person. We met Jax when he attended one of our performances of Inala, a Zulu ballet in the West End. He was part of the outreach, one of the outreach groups that benefited from our careers education program around Inala, which included watching the shows. Jax was moved to tears and not only showed and shared his emotions, but was then able to articulate his opinion and thanks. This was a very real and raw introduction to who Jax is. It showed how sensitive he is and how in tune he is with human rights, equality, and his emotional reaction to efforts made to level the playing field, as that show does. That moment of his vulnerable sharing stayed with me, and we decided we would create an opportunity for us to employ him. We trained him up, and he became our London Sisters Grimm presenter in front of the camera, interviewing artists, crew, management and others involved in the social impact program. This was always delivered with care and attention and a lot of preparation. Again, a representation of who Jax is as a person. He is loyal and has a very pure heart. He cares about people and just needs help to direct this and avoid getting lost and falling foul of the typecasting that is still unfortunately a part of society for young black men. I can say with absolute clarity and honesty, I trust Jax and do not believe his nature to be bad or a danger to society. Unfortunately, with our core business of live entertainment having been on hold due to the pandemic, we have not had any of those presenting opportunities to take Jax on. And for it's in my opinion that if Jax has lost his way, it will have been for the same reasons, in that the world has stopped and this has been immensely damaging to people and businesses alike. 
our industry that Jax became a part of most of all. We will take Jax on again, and in light of the situation he is currently in, we'll look to create that opportunity for him sooner rather than later to help bring him direction and focus again. Ellis Vera, MBE. So I'm going to take you back to the very beginning now. This beautiful show, Inala. Inala means abundance of goodwill in Zulu. And Inala was born out of us not only identifying, but being incredibly frustrated at the lack of diversity within the ballet world, in particular of um, people from African origin. And in 2009, Ella took me to see a concert of Ladysmith Black Mombazo in London. Ladysmith Black Mombazo are a South African all-male a cappella Zulu choir. They sing and dance in Zulu, the dance in Sakatania. And it was founded in the 60s by Joseph Shabalala. And their collaboration in the 80s with Paul Simon on an album called Gracelands really put the world's attention onto South Africa and the apartheid. And it contributed to the end of that horrendous regime of segregation. And we saw this concert and we came up with the idea that we should create a new show. Ella would write the music with Joseph and Ladysmith Black Mombazo, and we would bring together these otherwise very separate artistic disciplines and cultures, the best classical ballet and contemporary dancers with Zulu singing and dancing on one stage together, united to celebrate diversity and African culture in a way we'd never seen or experienced before. And so we invited Ladysmith Black Mombazo to the Royal Opera House to see their first classical ballet performance where I was dancing. It was in Sleeping Beauty. And we were on the same page aligned that we'd work together to create a new form of art, a new format of show and bring it to life. But to the theme of free, we have a strap line, what's the plan? Which is something we've always said. And we got to this moment and said, what's the plan? Because we had no money. We didn't come from any money. I was in the corps de ballet. Uh, Ella was a rising star film composer and we had to pull together every penny to dig in. So cut to 2010, a year and a bit later, and we're embarking on our first journey to South Africa for the music writing. Now Ella had been preparing for months. Any spare moment I had free from rehearsal in the ballet, she'd come to the opera house and play through her ideas. And there we are, sat in the Durban Playhouse. She's surrounded by nine ladies with Black Mombazo singers and I'm hearing her ideas come to life for the first time. It was quite a moment. And Joseph closed his eyes when he first heard her play. And he began to sing, uh, create, write the lyrics to a song called Usizi. Usizi means grief in South African, in Zulu. And Usizi, really, the message of that song is, is really, it's a seminal moment in the show now. The first song they wrote, it's an iconic moment in the show. And the words mean, um, that grief will always be there and challenges will always be there in your life. Sometimes they'll be on your left, sometimes they'll be on your right, sometimes they'll be right in your way, in the middle, but you have to keep your focus on, on your goal, on your mission, and, and keep going, travelling in that direction. And I think Joseph's actual message was, you must say, hello trouble, bye-bye trouble, I'm going somewhere. And Joseph never shared any of the atrocities he must have experienced in his life uh, growing up in South Africa at that time, but the song embodies that, and all over the world people can feel and connect to this, this song and this emotional way, and we were really lucky on that trip that he took us under his wing 
and shared some amazing experiences with us, uh, church service where he's minister in a township. And we finished that first trip um, with a collection of songs that we took back to the UK and gave them to the amazing choreographer, Mark Baldwin, OBE. And it was just a beautiful start to this collaboration. And um, now I'm fast forwarding five years of many trials and tribulations to 2014, the world premiere of Inala. We're at the Edinburgh International Festival, the largest festival in the world, about to perform in the largest theatre in Europe, the Edinburgh Playhouse. And um, Ella and I are crossing the road with these huge headdresses with feathers and focused. And suddenly this double-decker bus comes along and the whole bus is plastered with the Inala poster artwork. We had a very girly moment screaming at the top of our lungs, nearly dropping everything as it became the very real moment that we were about to premiere the show. And so it's the first show. There's a reception in the interval. It's two parts. And the, the bar for this reception was at the very top of the theatre. And the interval's ending and we're rushing to get backstage to watch the rest of the show and take a curtain call at the end. And the lights start dimming as we're running there and the curtain starts going up and there wasn't one seat at the, in the house to, for us to jump into. So we just ended up having to sit down right there on the steps in the gods at the top of this huge theatre to watch the second half of the show. And at the end of the show, there was a roar as thousands of people stood up on their feet and applauded this show. And at that moment, we knew we had a success and all the struggles we'd been through had been worth it at that moment. And so then we had a phenomenal tour of concert halls and theatres around the UK. And we were then invited to perform on the Royal Variety performance in front of Prince William and Catherine, uh, who we met afterwards. And um, I just have to say, Ed Sheeran, we're really sorry. Ella did not mean to ignore you. She just didn't think you were talking to her. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it was phenomenal. It was broadcast and it really put the world's eyes on Inala at that point. And following that, we were invited to have our first international premiere in Russia at the Chekhov International Theatre Festival in Moscow. And at the time, there were... There was a lot of bad press around uh, racial and homophobic problems at the time. But we decided we would take Inala to Moscow, to the festival. And it was really important because not only did we not experience any of those problems or our company experience those problems, but it provided you know, the opportunity. The audience was so appreciative. They reacted in exactly the same way as all the audiences in the UK had done. And, and they showed their appreciation for the show and the company. And they celebrated the diversity and the African culture with us all in the same way. So that was amazing. And in 2015, we had a partnership with Ambassador Theatre Group. It's the largest theatre owning company in the world. And we tripled our touring. And I retired from the Royal Ballet that year to um, be able to tour the show and take on producing and managing for um, Sisters Grimm full time. And at the end of 2015, I don't want to miss anything out. There's a lot of good bits. I just want to check. At the end of 2015, Ella um, got a message to say that the music from the show, Songs from Inala, had been nominated for a Grammy Award for Best World Music Album. And so in 2016, we both went to the Grammys, which is just the most 
amazing experience. You can't buy a Grammy nomination. And uh, to be there amongst legends of the music industry in the most prestigious international music award was, was an amazing moment, six years after we'd come up with the original idea. Um, and really at that time, I want to check, I haven't missed any international films or countries. At that time, it had been um, seven years that we dedicated to Inala, our, our baby. And creatively, it was time for us to move on. Ella was itching to compose and collaborate more. She's never been a composer for hire. She's not a composer for hire, but having found her sort of true, authentic, artistic voice via this huge collaboration, it was time that we embarked on a globe-trotting mission to create more world shows. So we did. And for three years, it took us to the Amazon rainforest, working with uh, shamanic flute specialists. We worked with Jeremy Irons on, on a Brazilian show that won Brazilian International Press Award. In Japan, working with um, samurai master and Kill Bill choreographer uh, Tetsuro Shimaguchi-san and working with indigenous taiko drummers on remote islands in Japan that used to be like exile islands and now are national treasures to finding amazing stories of female empowerment in Indonesia. It really was the most amazing three years of cultural exploration and collaboration. And 2018 marked 10 years of, of us working together and we wanted to celebrate our world shows. Now, Ella's first job when she moved to London was working at Ministry of Sound, which is a dance club, it's an institution. And um, she worked in the record label and radio department there. And we wanted to take our shows into there for the first time. Again, bridging audiences and joining audiences together and take our shows into this new space for the first time. It was amazing. We presented our world shows, got a huge amount of press and goodwill from our international um, partners. And following that, we secured international contracts. 2019, we're relaunching Inala in the West End. And Ella is actually in China, securing a contract there. And I'm in London, rehearsing the dancers. And I have to call Ella. It's one of those, don't panic. It's all going to be all right. But you have to fly to Soweto from China now. Um, all the visas for all the singers have been declined through careless administration. I'd like to point out the only bit of administration Sisters Group didn't do that year. And, um, and we would have to go there. Ella would have to go rehearse all the music for the show. And I would join her a week later. And I'd rehearse all the movement. And then they'd be ready to join the company for the dress rehearsals just before the West End premiere. At that point, Inala was our baby. We were in our element. And it was the first time we went to Joburg and Soweto and teaching these singers, uh, introducing new singers to the show was amazing we were calm collected and, and we got on with it and it was it was quite a moment and we um increased our social impact that year dramatically we launched our social impact program in 2017 and it was really to um open up access to young people and their families from lower socio-economic areas and educate them by showing them the diversity and representation on the stage and also the themes of the show. But in 2019, we partnered with the Prince's Trust and scaled up by providing a, a careers program, really, that introduced 
all the amazing different careers in the live entertainment industry, all the unusual, sometimes very unconventional pathways to those careers. And we ran, we ran workshops and opened up the house before the show. And Sisters Grimm uh, funded that and we foregoed the ticket revenue to make sure the access was provided. And the Prince's Trust ensured that the people that would benefit the most were going to participate in the programme. And so that was incredible. Uh, following the West End show, we, we toured to Singapore, which was amazing. And then we were invited by Prince Harry to perform in Ala at Hampton Court Palace. And I just sort of anticipated that maybe certain elements of the production wouldn't have been thought about. So I asked Ella to bring her mobile recording setup with her to Hampton Court Palace. And sure enough, we arrive and those elements hadn't been thought about. So Ella set up a recording studio in a kitchen at Hampton Court Palace um, to produce and write the soundscape that was really became the glue between every act. She really is completely allergic to silence. And, and so that was amazing. And then we played the Royal Albert Hall. It was Black History Month and World Ballet Day in October 2019. And we'd always dreamed of taking Anala to as wide a big an audience as possible and presenting it in that arena setting. And for us, it was such a, it was a milestone moment. The audience was so diverse with our social impact program recipients truly integrated in the best seats in the house. Um, we flew to Soweto again and scaled up, increased the cast of singers, dancers, musicians. And it was mind blowing to have 5,000, 5,500 people on their feet at the end was really um, an incredible occasion. And we'll show you an excerpt from that moment at the end of the talk. Um, we then wrapped up the year by touring China. And again, I don't think it was just incredible to see that the audiences in China would react in exactly the same way. And from what we understand, we were one of the first, the first um, large theatrical show that presented African culture. Um, and it was, it was really moving. And as is the nature of live entertainment, one of our dancers had a very serious injury. And so I had to step in as ballerina of the show in that moment, which for the tour, which was really special for the company and, and for me and for our Chinese partners and, uh, and a really sort of nice way to end that amazing year. And Inala is on pause now um, during the pandemic, but we will be relaunching it in 2024 uh, to mark 30 years of democracy for South Africa um, and relaunch all those milestones and continue to be uh, agents for change, using the arts to make people feel good, but think about really important messages. And, uh, and so thank you, that's, that's the Inala story. And everyone's got questions, but I, I have one that is, is about Sisters Grimm and is about what you're doing with cultural productions. And the question is framed, and I, I'm just going to sort of throw it out and then let you put it together. As you're talking to people about your ideas, about these concepts, these shows that are they're really cultural artifacts. 
How do you deal with the rejection when people say, uh, you know, what's the what's going to be the ROI on this, and how many seats are we going to fill in? And because you need funding, and you told us that you bootstrap and you've worked hard and you've now got a great reputation and it makes it maybe a little easier, but I don't think so. How do you deal with that? Um, well, it certainly helps deal with that by having each other, by having somebody that you can fire things off of and support each other through those tough times. Definitely couldn't, I couldn't have done it alone and, and neither could Ella. So um, secondly, it fuels the fire, fuels our fire, you know, stick to your beliefs and your gut instinct and you can't please everyone. And we had that, of course we had that. So many people thought, um, well, for example, some people said to us, you can't expect to bring together these successful individual elements and mush them together and for it to be successful just because you've done that. Or mm, who's helping you? Or I even got who are you married to? That was a good one. Um, so we've experienced challenges. I'm not married to um, We've experienced challenges and we've overcome it by staying strong and focused and carrying forwards and not giving up or letting it drop you and pushing through because that will always happen. Um, and, and surrounding yourself by your tribe, your team, people that are gonna hold you up and help you get there. And so yeah, that's, that's how we do it. And the follow up question is, how do you deal with being typecast? As in, you're a ballerina. We do, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, a composer. And you're doing all of this. It's very easy for people to say, you've seen ballerinas. What do you know about putting on productions like this? You are dancing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we have had that. You know, Ella, we are Ella, the composer, me as the, the dancer, and together as producers and businesswomen, we do get a lot of head tilting and, and sexism from men and women. Um, and, and, uh, and again, the proof is in the product. And, and if, if you're being not listened to, then find the people that will listen to you. Um, and so that's how we've dealt with it. But we continue to, and it will always be there. You know, we look the way we look. And that comes with a typecasting from, from the wrong people that are going to help us get there. So um, the proof is in our, our lifetime dedication to collaboration and, and and the shows but it is always fun when we put on shows Ella always says I love it because all the guys crew is normally a lot mostly male and they look at you and they see you come in as the dancer and they're not quite you know what's she gonna know and then I'm telling them bolt that onto the flies get that over there and screw that and where's this and I, I know a lot everything about backstage tech too and I love that so we just get on with it first of all thank you for being here and um how do you seem so humble? Um, for us, it's it's never so much about the, the individual art works or the artistic contributions. It's about the much bigger picture and the long-term goals and the change, positive changes we want to make. And, and of course, we love all the awards we got and they're amazing, but it's sort of not about that for us. Well, my question is, what was it like meeting Joseph Shabalala for the first time? Well, speaking of humble, you can't get a more beautiful soul and person in, in, in Joseph Shabalala. And he's just a legend. He's incredible. And I think that will always be Ella's most, most loving. It was love. You can see, you know, the love between two artists when they're working that closely. Ella's skill for collaboration is not about, you know, usually they don't speak each other's language. 
uh, and, and music connected them both in this mission, but he was, he was amazing. And he, when he came to the opera house, in Zulu dancing, they have incredibly flexible high kicks. He had his leg on the bar, he was stretching, he was on stage, he was energetic, he had a twinkle in his eye. Um, and it was the first time that they had ever worked, um, collaborated, co-written with a woman at the piano. So equally courageous and along, you know, with all of that, um, he was forward thinking and, and Gracelands was the first major collaboration he did and Inala was the last and, and it was, yeah, really beautiful. You spoke about the past spoke about the future. I'd love to hear about the present. What brings you to Dubai? What is your mission, vision now and until 2024? Um, we came to Dubai. It's a good question, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we came to Dubai to work on an, an uh, Arab world show. And uh, Dubai, we didn't think initially that it would be Dubai that we would come to, but it's such a melting pot of cultures here. Arab cultures and um, also Dubai Opera was interested in, in collaborating with us on that. And um, then, so Ella and her Arab collaborator, D.B. Gad, an Egyptian rapper, have put together an album, amazing album of songs. And since the pandemic, we've also um, sort of created, continued our mission to showcase, spotlight different cultures in a different way. And we've created a an immersive theatrical exhibition of landscapes and a mass participation social impact program called Art in Nature that's running globally now that we launched here. And the future holds more collaborations. Um, I'm not going to ask our own question, but I was going, well, if they ask, what's your next culture that you want to collaborate with? What are we going to say? And she was like, China. We want to create and go to China and collaborate with Chinese artists there. So the future holds um, continuing and expanding art and nature globally. There's now more than ever a need, we think, for creative educational initiatives that take people outside to connect with nature for their physical and mental well-being. And especially young people are anxious about everything in relation to the data of climate change. So an environmental program that's artistic, that's, that's our, an, a new baby for us. And um, to continue with artistic collaborations. Um, our next Sisters Grim Life production will be Inala at the end of 2024. Yeah. But there's lots of other things you can keep an eye on. We, we started releasing music videos and putting things much more, putting things out more di through digital which we hadn't done so much before. And we really, since the pandemic, started to showcase and release things um, before the production launched. So you can check us out there. And then how do we follow you on Instagram? Oh, um, at Sisters Grim Shows. <laughs> Thank you. At Sisters Grim Shows, at Pietra and Ella Shows on Instagram, sisters-grim.co.uk on the website. Um, I just had a question. So in line with the theme of this month, which is free, um, what's the most freeing experience you've had on stage? Ah. Ooh. Well, I have two. One is performing in Inala and having that live singing as a 
performer was incredible and that sound wall of sound uh, was amazing but it was my first ever uh, ballet competition I came to ballet as late as you can at uh, 16 years old I started full-time training but my first competition the card broke down I think my mum was stressing and we just got there and I ran on stage and I just remember her saying nothing else matters just enjoy it the music and I was always transported by music which is why I think my connection to Ella I was always inspired by Diaghilev who found his Tchaikovsky and then commissioned and produced all these ballets that now we still hear the music of today and to leave that kind of a legacy that can outlive you through experiences for other people was something I wanted so my first ever dance competition probably. Um, you mentioned about you know uh, Binala's views on pause and um, maybe on yeah, 2024. So what, um, and you mentioned about you're doing something else aside from the live shows. Tell us about uh, that uh, uh, immersive exhibition mm. at uh, Dubai Opera. Because I heard it was a massive success and, and I know you guys are you know, uh, doing more things around that and, uh, and, and the message of, of, of the exhibition. Yeah, we wanted to, it was the 50 year anniversary in the UAE. And so we, Ella was painting natural landscapes everywhere we went and we were exploring. And I said, well, how many have you done? And she'd done over 30. It was like, well, you have to do 50, it's 50 for 50. And so we created 50 for 50. And for me, um, Ella comes from a family of artists. Both her parents are artists. And, but, and, and I hadn't gone to so many art exhibitions. And when I did, I always wanted music to them. And I'm like, you're a composer and a painter. So she composed a piece of music for every painting with soundscape from around uh, the UAE. And sometimes she would narrate an experience or story about the, the painting and where we were. She painted everyone in situ. So we were carrying these huge canvases sometimes up desert dunes and to beautiful locations. And we wanted to connect people to nature here. Uh, it's not something that the rest of the world particularly is, knows about, the UAE. And it's not something that, and so we wanted to showcase that. And uh, part one is a walk through the paintings with the soundscape and, and the music. And part two is a film of all the 50 paintings on stage at Dubai Opera rigged. There was no CGI, I was quite surprised. Some people saw the film and thought that there was like special VFX. Um, they fly in and out as the backdrop to then a ballet where we had two singers singing in Arabic and English and me performing in ballet. And it's a story called Daughters of the Wind Overture. That was, um, yeah, our team, Stephen Powell wrote the story. It was based on and Jenny directed it. And so 50 for 50 is our new format experience spectacle that we produced and launched here recently um, to showcase Arab culture in a, in a different way and again, break down prejudices and showcase the natural world. We definitely can. <laughs> we definitely can. We could do a, oh, what shall I do? Okay, so um, we're all going to learn a port de bras, which uh, a lot of the language of ballet is French. It means carriage of the arms, port de bras, bar, arms. And so carriage of the arms. Um, imagine you are holding a beach ball, everyone, just down on your laps, 
holding a nice big fat beach ball, good. And now your hands, your fingers are about as far apart as your chin, a bit closer together there. Very good. And now um, ballet hands are a little bit soft, so relax the fingers. And imagine you're holding a bit of blue tack or a very precious diamond between your thumb and your middle finger. Beautiful ballet hands, everyone. And now we're just going to carry that beach ball up above your head until your big beach ball shape, both arms, good. You are all now in a fifth position. And now, very, very good. And now we're going to open our arms nice and wide, all the way down, back down to our sides. Beautiful. <laughs> Everyone give yourselves a hand of applause. Very good. You're all ballerinas today. What was it like when you were age, learning how to be a ballerina? Oh no, um, I, for me, ballet was always escapism and my parents wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. So they, I don't mean they drove me to the ballet classes, but I think they wanted to make it very clear that I wouldn't earn any money and my toes would always hurt. And every time I would, you know, cry to my dad on the phone that my toes hurt, he'd say, it's like a fisherman complaining he gets wet. It's just <laughs> part, part of the job. Um, I always felt incredibly lucky and and I didn't um I trained in a church hall until I was 16 there weren't any mirrors the sun used to shine through those stained glass windows and the teacher used to say pretend it's the spotlight um, so I feel like I was sort of protected as well without knowing a lot from a lot of the you know self analysis and critique and I could just enjoy the experience and escape um, and then when I went to London and you got the mirrors and you started training hard and you see the world-class competition you're up against. There were only 13 in my year and a couple joined the company every year. Um, and it is all-consuming, discipline, six, seven days a week, uh, 12 hours a day. You don't leave the theatre until you've washed just one paint off your body until nearly midnight. Um, but I loved it. That's what we do. And it is competitive and brutal, but it also taught me and, and I bring all that discipline now into there are so many transferable skills from that world um, and, and the dedication and the discipline and that's something we want to you know share around the world that and the story of Inala it takes a long time and you work and continually improve somebody said today um, practice doesn't make perfect it makes better and I really like that um, that's I think what, what we do thanks for that how did Miss Pietra was able to convince herself to give up ballet to become a full-time music composer? Ah. Oh, it was it was the perfect time. You know, I'd been working with Ella um, and Sisters Grimm since 2008, so it's 2015 now. Inala has been a success. And I'd done all the roles that I was, you know, I'd really done everything I'd wanted to in the ballet. And, and it was just the right time. My last performance was Swan Lake. And it was a production that really, I had a really bad neck injury while I was in the ballet and had disc problems. And Swan Lake was always the killer for me. You have to stand in those really difficult positions, making it look easy. And, and I wasn't injured. And it was actually the last time the Royal Ballet performed that version of Swan Lake after its long run, they were going to do a new production. So it was a really historic moment. I was literally flying. 
uh, I did the best class that day and we filmed the last performance. So it was really special and it just felt like absolutely the right time. You know, I didn't feel like, I mean, I have zero regrets. As a university professor, we really push our kids to go and get more education, get more education, get more education. You, you and Ella went a different route. Yeah, well, neither of us went to university. Ella left school at 17 and I uh, went to the Royal Ballet School and studied by correspondence, so did my A-levels and then started Open University. But I mean, I love science, but I, didn't, I knew I wasn't going to be a neuroscientist. So um, we learned and, and learned business as we went along, self-taught. Um, but we always encourage um, anyone looking to do something now with the internet, like we didn't have YouTube back then to be able to just immerse yourself in what everyone else is doing and, and to see all these different things and take it on and be inspired by it and find what, what it is that you enjoy and what it is that you, you want to do that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I, um, I was always producing, but didn't know I was producing. So I would always be trying working on different projects and through collaborate through choreo choreographing, um, which I didn't really want to do or enjoy. Uh, but I loved the idea of bringing everyone together and creating something. Um, and then meeting Ella and going, oh, there's this thing that's a creative producer, and together we can create these huge experiences for everyone. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. That was Pietro Mello Pittman sharing with us the Anala story. You can find out a whole bunch more about what Pietra and Ella are doing. Google sistersgrimco.uk and you will find their company. And it is a treasure trove, an absolute treasure trove of inspiration. While you're at it, why not take a, a little browse around what's going on at Creative Mornings in Dubai. Just Google us, Creative Mornings, all one word, and Dubai, and you can find out a whole bunch more. Thank you very much for listening. Share this link. We'll talk to you again real soon. My name is James Pikeway. So long for now. <laughs>